Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646 727 3070. That's 646 727 3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com/slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com/slash and you can send messages to the show on Twitter. And while you're there on Twitter, give me a follow at go for it again. Follow me on Twitter at go for it again. Send messages to the show at go for it again. Please, please, please do. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by 76ers forward Darrell Wright. And we're going to talk to Darrell about the upcoming NBA season. A lot of people high on the Philadelphia 76ers this season. A lot of people are high on the 76ers. A lot of people. I'm one of them. As a 76 Philadelphia 76ers fan, lifelong, this is an exciting time to be a 76ers fan. A very exciting time. So I'm excited to talk to Darrell Wright about the possibilities for the Philadelphia 76ers this year. Also, we're going to be joined by our Hall of Famer, 11-time Pro Bowler, the great Willie Rofe. We're going to talk all things NFL. What's wrong with Cam Newton? How about those Bears? Joe Flacco, who's the most overrated? Tim Tebow. We're going to talk about all those great things with Willie Rofe. Also, we're going to be joined by Tennessee Titans kicker Rob Baronis. And Rob and his Titans are on a two-game winning streak. They're right now three and four, and they're right in the mix. In the AFC, in terms of a wild card spot, I mean, you got right now the Texans who are in complete control of that AFC South. But all in all, other than the Texans and the Ravens who are five and two, and now the, the you have the uh, the Patriots who are four and three. Other than that, there's not much in the AFC, so it, it is wide open right now. It's pretty wide open for the Tennessee Titans, and if they win tomorrow, they're at five hundred. Four and four, and right back in this thing. And who would have thought that when the Titans were one and four, and and, and seemingly out of it as they were going to play the Steelers that Thursday? And you figured, okay, the Steelers coming to Tennessee, you had to favor the Steelers there. But ultimately, the Titans won that game, and they went to Buffalo and got their first road win, and won that game as well. So Tennessee, look out for the Titans, and and who knows what can happen. And also, we're going to be joined by. BG Sports PR, CEO and head of BG Sports, Brittany Gilman, and we're going to talk to her about all things NFL as well. We're going to get a female perspective on all things NFL, and it's always good to get a female perspective from time to time. And we're going to get her perspective on what's going on in the NFL, and she's doing some big things with BG Sports PR, so we're going to talk to her about that as well. So a great show lined up for you. A lot of great topics, a lot of great uh, guests, 
and it should be a good, 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 good old time. I want to start in the World Series now, starting baseball, the World Series, 2-0, the San Francisco Giants up on the Detroit Tigers. How about Pablo Sandoval in game one with those three big home runs? Three big home runs on the biggest stage in baseball, which is the World Series. Pablo's big home, big three home runs was a big reason why the Detroit Tigers, not the Detroit Tigers, the San Francisco Giants won game one, and ultimately they will win game two as well. But they won game one behind Pablo Sandoval and Barry Zito, who pitched decently. And how about Barry Zito? Uh, I mean, the guy, first few years of that contract, didn't earn a dime of it. Now this year, he's earning all of it. He's finally earning his money. He's finally earning his money for the Giants, and ultimately right now the Giants are up 2-0. But this is not a position if you're the Giants you want to be in, because we all know with this Giants team, round one against the Cincinnati Reds, down, down 2-0. They win the final three games in Cincinnati, and they win that round. The next round, the NLCS, down 3-1 to the St. Louis Cardinals. They, they did a Cardinal on the Cardinals. They pulled the Cardinals on the Cardinals. I mean, we all know what the Cardinals have been doing over these past two years. And the Giants pulled the Cardinals on the Cardinals. And ultimately, the Giants, down 3-1, ultimately will win that series in seven. So this Detroit, excuse me, this San Francisco Giants team is a, is a resilient ball club. But right now, are they in a good position? I mean, because they seemed, seemed to play better when they're down. We, we've seen it throughout the course of these playoffs. This team has played better when their backs were against the wall. Now they're front-running right now, up 2-0, front-running, in a great position. Can they? Will they? Will they hold on against the Detroit Tigers? And you looked at the Detroit Tigers the previous uh, two rounds, and, and they had the feel of a team that – uh, was going to win it all. They just had that feel, the way they were playing, the way they, the type of pitching they were getting, just the type of play they were getting from the hitters and, and their pitching. You, you had the sense that this team was the team to win it all. And this series is, is far from over. It's far from over. we got a lot of baseball to be played. And the Detroit Tigers, I mean, Verlander in, in game one, I mean, that's a guy – and that's an effort you expect, you expect a big time effort out of Verlander, and he didn't get it. He didn't get it. Only four innings. He gave up two home runs, and he had ultimately gave up five earned runs in that particular game. So you didn't expect that out of Verlander. That's not the type of performance you expect out of Justin Verlander. So you didn't get a good performance out of Verlander. You got a decent pitching performance in game two, but ultimately you couldn't make the plays when it was time to make the plays. And one of those plays is. We have Prince Fielder, who was out at home there. That was a big, big play. Seemed like he could have got in. He didn't get in. And ultimately, that was a big part of that game. That was a big part of that game. And right now, the Giants are in control. They are in control. They are in control. But as we know and as we've seen in these playoffs, just because you're in control for now doesn't mean you're going to be in control later. Just because you're in control with this part of the series, the early part of the series, doesn't mean you're going to be in control when it's all said and done. 
doesn't mean you are going to be in control when it's all said and done. So, should be interesting what happens these next few games. I'm not saying the Tigers are done. They're obviously not done. This has been a tough, resilient ball club as well. And you, you got to be a tough, resilient ball club to get to this position, to get to this point, to be in a position to play in the World Series, to win a World Series, to win a championship. You have to be a tough ball club. You have to be a tough ball club. And both of these teams are two tough ball clubs. So this this series is not over. Don't turn away just yet. Don't turn away just yet. The Tigers still have a lot. They still have a lot. They still have a lot. They definitely still have a lot. There's a lot of baseball to be played, a whole lot of baseball to be played, a lot of baseball. So right now, yes, the Tigers are behind 2-0. Right now, the Giants seem to be in complete control. But one thing we have learned in these playoffs in the sport of baseball and in general, it's not over till it's over, till you win four. It's not over until you win four. You got to win four right now, right now. Right now, the Giants only have two, and the Tigers are a tough ball club, a tough-minded team, a tough-minded team. And this is a team that you cannot sleep on at this point. It's a team you cannot sleep on at this point. Should be interesting moving forward how this series plays out. Should be very interesting. Very interesting. We'll see what the Tigers have. We'll see what they're made of. We'll see how tough-minded this ball club is because they got a big game. Big game tonight. You go down 3-0, it's over. It's pretty much over if you're down 3-0. You go down 3-1, yeah, I mean, we've seen it before. 3-0, we've seen it before as well, but we don't. See, we haven't seen it often. We haven't seen it often. So this is a, a big ball game for the Tigers. Next, I mean, obviously you want to you want to control your home, you want to win your home games, you want to win the three games at home. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. You want to win those three games at home, and then give yourself an opportunity going back to San Francisco, an opportunity where you have two to win one. And I wouldn't be surprised if these Tigers won these three games, these next three games. Wouldn't be surprised at all. I don't think this series is over. I think the series is going back to San Francisco. I really do. And I wouldn't be surprised if this series went seven. Wouldn't be surprised at all. This series is not over. So don't turn away just yet. There's a lot of baseball to be played. Do not turn away just yet. A lot of baseball to be played. And I want to switch gears now to the NBA. And we have a big NBA season coming up. The NBA season will start on Halloween next week. I mean, it's it seemed like yesterday we saw LeBron jumping around with his new uh uh, as a uh, jumping around and 
celebrating as a first-time NBA championship winner. It seemed like yesterday we saw LeBron on the bench jumping around and the parade and all the other stuff in Miami. It seemed like yesterday. But now the season, we have another season, a new season, a new season of hope, opportunity, and promise for all 30 NBA teams. Well, not all 30 because all 30 really do not have a shot. This is not like the NFL for the most part. I mean, obviously you're going to have your surprises but let's be real. We all know which teams are going to be there at the end, for the most part. Doesn't I mean? You can look at the West, and the West is a wide open. And I, 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 and I say that at this, as I say, you know, we all have an idea for the most part who will be there. It's still sort of a wide open situation in the Eastern Conference. It's not cut and dry. I mean, Miami obviously is the favorite. They are obviously the favorite. There's no getting around that. But you look around the Eastern Conference, while Miami is the favorite, you have uh, Philadelphia, who's done some things, bringing in Andrew Bynum, um, which is a big move. Hopefully he can get on the court. He may not get on the court uh, Wednesday. But, I mean, you bring in a big man like Andrew Bynum, and you figure that could give the Heat problems. Boston, I, I like what the Boston Celtics have done in this offseason. Brooklyn, is a team that's retooled in this offseason. Um, Indiana, another team that was good last year and, and gave the Miami Heat fits in that second round, in the second round of playoffs, and a team that you figure is a year better. Roy Hibbert, a year better. Uh, David West, Granger, a year better. Paul George, an up-and-coming player, a year better. I mean, David West, you figure he's getting a little older, so, I mean, a year this year could be the year he finally starts to slip a little bit. But who knows? Who knows? But you look at the Indiana Pacers, and I like what they did, bringing in a Gerald Green, also bringing in a DJ Augustine. I really like those moves. Gerald Green really played well for the Nets last season, really played well. And, I mean, I think it's a great move by the Pacers to bring him in. But this is a Pacer team that you can't sleep on. This is another team that is going to be a contender in the Eastern Conference. The Pacers will be contenders in the Eastern Conference. They're going to be around as well. So there's a lot of teams. It is cut and dry, but it's not cut and dry. You know that for the most part, I mean, I think your safe bet would be the Miami Heat. That would be the safe bet in terms of getting to the NBA Finals. But in terms, is it going to be easy? I don't think it's going to be that easy. I really don't. I really don't, especially, I mean, if you look at the contenders. The other teams that are out there, the Nets, the Sixers, who, who I'm going to call a contender in the Eastern Conference, the Pacers, these are teams with size. Brooke Lopez, Andrew Bynum, Roy Hibbert, they have size. And what is Miami's biggest weakness? Their lack of size. Their lack of size. That's their biggest weakness. And these teams, the Sixers, and we're, even talk, we're just talking the Eastern Conference, but the Sixers, uh, the Celtics have size. I mean, uh, they have a collection of size. Uh, you wouldn't call it dominant size. You would call it a collection of size. And they could throw uh, various big men at you this season. Sollinger, Fab Mello is a guy with some you, – you also have Chris Wilcox, a guy who can bang around a little bit. So, I mean, so, I'm not saying they have dominant size in Boston, but they have size. They have size. They have size. So what I'm saying is – some of these teams in the Eastern Conference 
have the size to give the Miami Heat problems. They have the size to give the Miami Heat problems. And I'm not even talking the Western Conference because we all know what the Los Angeles Lakers did in the Western Conference in terms of bringing in Dwight Howard. You want to talk about size. You want to talk about dominance. He is the most dominant center in the game right now. He is the best center in the game right now. And the Lakers have him. The Lakers have him. So, obviously, you got to look at the Lakers. You have to look at Oklahoma City. This is a team, obviously, with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. This is a team, obviously, that's going to still be there. And the Spurs. Let's not forget about the San Antonio Spurs, the team with the best record in basketball a year ago. This is the team with the best record in basketball. Best record. The best record last season. Best record. The San Antonio Spurs. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget them. Let's not forget the San Antonio Spurs. Let's don't, don't sleep on them. Please don't sleep on that team. Please do not sleep on the San Antonio Spurs. They're going to be a team that's going to be in the mix. So you got a lot of teams right now. And, and the Western Conference as a whole has always been an open situation, always been an open thing. I mean, Denver bringing in an Andre Iguodala, bringing back a JaVale McGee. This is a team that a lot of people are talking about, a team that could give some teams problems. This is a deep team. This is a very deep team. And this is a team that uh, is a balanced team. You've got a balanced roster. Not that one superstar. It's a team that doesn't really have that one superstar, but a team with a balanced roster, a very balanced roster. I mean, Iguodala is a guy you bring in, and he's going to be big guarding some of those two guards and, and threes in the Western Conference. I mean, he's a top-notch defender, a do-it-all type of player. Gallinari is an up-and-coming. He's a scorer. He can flat-out score. JaVel McGee played well for the uh, Nuggets. Played very well for the Nuggets, and a guy with a lot of ability, a gazelle, can get up and down the court, block shots. He's a player you have to watch. And Kenneth Farida, a, do, a hustle type of player, lunch pail type of player for Denver. I mean, and their bench. I mean, Andre Miller's coming off their bench. Wilson Chandler, a guy who can score off their bench. I mean, so this is a team in the Denver Nuggets who are a deep team, a team that you're going to have to look out for this season. You're going to have to look out for the Denver Nuggets. You're going to definitely have to look out for this Nuggets ball club this season, especially in the Western Conference and in, in general. I mean, I've heard the talk of them being built like the uh, the Detroit Pistons, the 2004 Detroit Pistons, the Pistons team, Larry Brown coach, the team that won it all that particular season, and a team that didn't have the, the quote-unquote superstar per se, but a team that had a collection of stars, Chauncey, Rip at the time. I mean, Sheed, Rashid Wallace, Ben Wallace. I mean, those guys were were very good to solid, solid to very good players. I mean, Rashid Wallace, talent wise, is was one of the better power forwards for a long time. Talent wise, we're just talking strictly talent, strictly talent right now. <clears throat> but he was a guy who did a lot of things, played defense, hit the three ball, had some decent post moves. 
But he was a guy, again, with the Detroit Pistons, when you had a team with Prince and, and Billups and Hamilton and Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace. I mean, it was a deep team. It was a team, again, didn't have that one star per se, but a team that had a collection of stars. And that's what you see kind of with the Denver Nuggets, a team with a collection of players, a collection of good to very good players. No superstars. No superstars here, but it's stars. Team and Andre Iguodala, I mean, he's really going to flourish and up in, in that up-tempo offense in Denver with George Carl getting up and down, getting out on the break and finishing. I mean, a guy could finish with the best of them in this league. So it, it should be interesting in this Western Conference. The L.A. Clippers, I mean, we, we can't forget about what they did in this offseason to add to what they already had. I mean, bringing in a Lamar Odom and his versatility. And last year he was lost. He was absolutely lost in Dallas. I mean, he wasn't himself. That trade, going going away from L.A. and going to Dallas, he, he was a different player. He wasn't the same player. He was a distracted player. But he's, he, he's in, back in L.A., back in Cali, going back to Cali. He's back in Cali, back in L.A., and back in a familiar place, the Staples Center, where he won championships with the Lakers and won six-man-a-year awards with the Lakers. So he's back in that position. But the Clippers did some nice things in this offseason. I really love Jamal Crawford. I love to pick up Jamal Crawford, a big-time scorer, a clutch shooter, a, a guy that gets it done for you for your second unit who can really fill it up. He can fill it up. So I really love the move. Grant Hill bringing him in, a veteran presence, a guy that still has some game, still has some game. And I, I, I really like what the Clippers did. And I think in terms of contenders, you got to put them in that conversation. You have to put them in that conversation. Obviously, Chris Paul, you got the return of Chauncey Billups as well. Put them in the conversation. You have to put them in that championship conversation. I'm putting them in that conversation. I don't know about you, but I'm putting them in. We're going to talk. You can talk championship. You can talk contenders when you talk L.A. Clippers. I'm all for it. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. This is a Clipper team with some talent. They put together something nice there. And we'll see how far it can go. But I look at the West and and I look at the Lakers. I have to say, obviously, OKC, San Antonio. They have to talk Clippers as well. Dallas, uh, it's a wait-and-see approach with Dallas for me. Um, They brought in some solid players in this offseason. But Dirk Nowitzki is going to be out for a few weeks. But they brought in some solid players. Alton Brand still has some juice left in him, I believe. I mean, I like that move. O.J. Mayo bringing him in, Chris Kamen, Darren Collison. I mean, it's it's going to be a new-look Mavericks team, but it's going to be a different Mavericks team. And I think it's going to be a a Mavericks team that you may have to watch out for. Uh, And... Well, I'm not going to say that yet. Let me wait. Let me wait. I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach with this Mavericks team. Let me take a wait-and-see approach. I'm not going to overstep yet. I'm not going to discount them, but I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach with this team. I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach with them. Yeah, Portland, you wonder what you're going to see out of the Blazers this, last, this season, I should say. Last season they were a disappointment. They were really a disappointment a year ago. 
We'll see how much better they will be this year. Looking at the roster, it doesn't look much better. doesn't look better that great, really, if you look at the Blazer roster. So I'm going to see what happens there. But I think the West, again, is going to come down to four teams. Clippers, Lakers, Spurs, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the Lakers, obviously, with what they did, Nash, Dwight Howard, and a move that we're not a lot of people aren't talking about, but Antoine Jameson, another guy who can score the basketball, another guy with a lot of versatility, another guy who can do a lot of different things for you. That's a great move for the Lakers, bringing in Antoine Jameson, adding him to what you already have. We'll see. We'll see. Can Nash and Kobe coexist? Is Kobe willing to defer a little bit to Nash? Nash is at his best on the ball in his hands. Defensively, what happens? I mean, it's a lot of things that we have to look at when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers. But we shall see. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. And we're back now, and we're going to bring in a guy who I expect big things out of this year with the Philadelphia 76ers, a guy who can stroke it from downtown, and a guy who likes to do things the right way. Let's bring him in now, Philadelphia 76ers forward, Darrell Wright. Darrell, how are you, sir? I'm good. How you doing, bro? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Hello? Oh, uh, yeah. Darrell, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. We had a little technical difficulties, but we got that taken care of. And, uh, Darrell, I mean, I expect a big year out of you. I expect a big year out of the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's start with you right now. I mean, this preseason has been big for you. You've been lighting it up from downtown, 48% shooting from downtown. Talk about your rhythm from the three-point line. Man, it's been great so far. You know, all the time that I spent this summertime getting my extra shots in, you know, working hard, trying to get back on top as far as, you know, having one of the best three-point percentages in the NBA and also, you know, having a lot of makes. So, um you know, my teammates did a great job of finding me around the perimeter, and my coach putting a lot of confidence in me to go out there and just play my game. So I'm feeling real good going into this season this year. And looking at you last year, Darrell, I mean, your numbers were a little down two seasons ago. You were at 16 points per game. Last year you dropped down to 10. What was the reason for the drop? You know what? It was a change of coach for one. You know, it was a different system. You know, a lot of people understand when, you know, New coaches come in, they have their own system. And, you know, we kind of changed the style of basketball. You know, it wasn't really up and down, you know, just taking random shots like we did two years ago. So, you know, uh, being a professional, you just got to understand, you just got to sacrifice something in your game and, you know, to do whatever to be in that rotation. So that's what I did. You know, uh, I think I I still did a pretty good job last year, even though, you know, my points wasn't up like they were two years ago. And, uh, you know, I think I, I still got better. So, you know, things that happen being a pro. And, and Darrell, we look at you guys, the Philadelphia 76ers right now, 
very good preseason, six and one. And I know it's only preseason, but you guys seem to play some really good basketball. What do you take from that preseason success? Um, you know, number one is chemistry. You know, having eight new guys on the team, especially a playoff team, which they were past two years, and you know, just gelling so uh, quick. I think with us coming in two weeks before training camp start really gave us an idea of where guys like the basketball and things like that. So I think once the preseason start and training camp started, we all were gelling already. We knew each other's game. So the chemistry definitely has to be the number one thing. And just, you know, how we respond, uh, you know, different games, different lineups, different guys, in, you know, in and out the lineup. So I think we did a pretty good job. And I look at your team, the Philadelphia 76ers, and one thing I notice is the versatility. I mean, you got a bunch of guys, including yourself, who can play a bunch of different positions. you got Evan Turner, who can play two to three positions. Nick Young, two to three positions. And yourself, obviously, you can probably play four positions. I mean, talk about the versatility of this team. Man, you know, with us having this much debt and, and being so deep, it makes it a, that much better. You know, guys can move to the four. Some, we could play small. Guys could you know, come in and play big, you know, and play play at the two and the one. So, uh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun, man, you know, just having guys that can do multiple things. Uh, we we got a very, very unselfish team as well. So that, that even makes it that much better playing with these guys. Is, you know, guys will, you know, not take a shot to pass the ball for a better shot. So, you know, playing right. guys like that is just contagious. So, you know, everybody's getting better every day, so that's always great. We're talking to Philadelphia 76ers forward Darrell Wright. And Darrell, full disclosure, I'm a lifelong Sixers fan. I bleed Sixers blue, white, and red. And right now i got some concerns. I'm a little concerned about the big man, Andrew Bynum. Has not played a single minute in the preseason. May not play in the season opener. Should I be concerned? And are you concerned? No way, no way. One, you know, we're playing good basketball right now, and we know that we have a big man that's going to be on his way. And I think, you know, Andrew should do his best for himself and not only for himself, but his team too. Uh, you know, just take his time, and we don't want him back right now. We want him when he's 100% because that's when he's really going to be able to help us on both sides of the court. So we want him 100%. It's a marathon. So, you know, we got eight months for the season. So, uh, you know, those knees and different things like that, it's serious. So you got to you got to take your time when you, you're coming back from things like that. So uh, we're really not concerned. You know, we're always behind him, though. And, you know, we're going to tell him, you know, to take his time as well and come back when you're 100% because that's when we're going to really need him. And when you originally were traded to the 76ers, Andrew Bynum was not here. How excited were you when you heard the news that Bynum was coming <laughs> to Philadelphia? Man, it was great. You know, I was kind of excited just coming to a new team. You know, it was a great situation for myself. And uh, me being able to come right in and fit in with the team that we had before Andrew was traded. Then once that happened, I think that happened probably a week or two after I was traded. I was like, man, this is this is even better. We could be a contender now, you know, with the pieces we have right now. And Andrew being a great player, all-star, and finally being able to be on a team where it's just him. He's one of the main focused guys to the two other guys being the options before him. So I think he's really going to help us once he's back. And like I said, we just want him to take his time and, and we'll be waiting on it. And you play with a dominant big man when you play with Shaquille O'Neal in Miami. How much easier does a dominant big man make everyone else's game? Man, it makes everybody's game a lot easier. You know, you find yourself open a lot more. And uh, I know they don't like because they get double teamed, but, you know, 
them being two unselfish dudes, uh, you know, they pass the ball out of double teams. I've been watching a lot of film on Andrew, and, you know, he he pass the ball out of double teams. And we got so many shooters. Like you said, we could play four shooters around him and do like how Orlando did with the white and just, you know, whenever they double, kick it out, and we got shooters around the perimeter. So it's going to be a lot of fun playing with and who is the best shooter on the team? I mean, you got Jason Richardson who can stroke the three. <laughs> your boy Nick Young, he can stroke it. And of course, you got yourself. I mean, you can stroke it as well. You stroked it over five hundred times a couple seasons ago. I mean, who is the best <laughs> I'm shooter? Have to go. I'm gonna have to go with myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's okay. a humble brag. It's not cocky. It's just humble brag. <laughs> it, it is what it myself. is. Yeah, it you know, but Nick is. Young. And- yeah, Nick Young and Jackson Richardson, they definitely shoot the cover off the basketball as well. So it's impressive when we're in practice and guys, you know, making shots how we do it, even in the game. So, like I said, it's going to be fun playing with these guys, man. So I'm glad they're on my team and not the other team. <laughs> and I'm looking around, and, and I was reading Sports Illustrated, and I saw they had the Philadelphia Sixers as the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. I, I couldn't believe mm-hmm. it when I read it, but but what are your thoughts? Hello. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I didn't hear the last part. I'm sorry. I'm saying I'm sorry. We we saw in Sports Illustrated that they had the Sixers as the eighth seed. What is your thoughts when you hear that? Um, you know, I I, I like to hear that because you know we're gonna be the team that's gonna be going under the radar. You know, we're gonna be beating teams that you know people probably wouldn't expect us beating without our big fella. So. You know, it's it's all it's it's always cool to be the underdog and the team that could go under the radar. And you know, once you know playoffs come around, everybody like, man, this Philadelphia team they they sure have been playing good basketball. So that's 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 good. Okay, and 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 I look at the Eastern Conference. A lot of teams made some moves. I mean, Miami they're good, but they brought in Ray Allen, so that makes them a little better. You got Brooklyn, Darren Williams there, obviously Joe Johnson as well, Gerald Wallace, bringing back a Brooke Lopez. You got Boston, who done did some things this off season. I mean, Jason Terry, Courtney Lee, some of the draft picks they made as well. And then we have you guys. You're bringing a Bynum. You're bringing Nick Young. You're bringing yourself. All in all, are the Philadelphia 76ers legitimate contenders in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I think when we're 100, percent we're we're definitely a contender. So I'll put us up there. I'll raise my hand, my vote. So, uh, <laughs> like I said, we're gonna go under the radar because a lot of people are not gonna expect us to get off to a good start with our big fella. But you know, I had the confidence in my teammates and myself and our coaching staff that they're gonna do the right things to get us in position at the end of games. You know, we're in a position where we're gonna win. We're talking to Philadelphia 76ers forward Darrell Wright and Darrell. You're doing things the right way on the court, and you're doing things the right way off the court with your foundation, the right way foundation. Tell us about it. Man, the right way foundation, this is my third year, and uh, it's been great so far. You know, my uh, main focus once I got my uh, foundation was, you know, to attack the inner city, the um, underprivileged kids, and, you know, the single mother home. So I try to do a lot of work in the community. It's because, you know, that, that's what it's all about. It's not about basketball and all the nice stuff, all that. It's about giving back to the less fortunate. You know, I come that's from right. that. I'm an inner-city kid, and I understand, you know, and I was just fortunate enough to have both parents at home, but a lot of my peers and friends that grew up with me grew up in single-mother homes. So I know how tough that was, and me being a parent now, I know how tough it is raising a kid with two parents. So I can that's only right. imagine. So, uh, you know, my main goal is to get back to inner-city, single-mother homes, and just do the right thing. Definitely. And 
Darrell, on the show, we want to play a game with you. We want to play a game called Doing It the Right Way. I'm going to give you a, a list of things, and you're going to tell me how to do it the right way. You ready to play? I got you. Yes, sir. <laughs> what is the right way to eat a Philly cheesesteak? Oh, you got to get everything on there with the hot peppers and okay. uh, the cheese fries. <laughs> okay, okay. And and this next one, this is kind of dedicated to your boy Nick Young, a guy with a lot of swag as well. But yes, sir. <laughs> what is the right way to dress before and after a game? The right way, you got to be clean, but you got to throw your own little swag in there. We're from Cali, you know, we wear the skinny jeans and, you know, the different L.A. brands. So uh, I like Nick's style. He got a lot of style and a lot of swag, so he, he's, he's doing the right thing. <laughs> I can't. I mean, uh, you talked about the skinny teeth. I, I I can't do it, man. I just I can't do it. Uh, I, it's a I difference do between it. the skinny jeans and the jeans that these dudes are painting on themselves. I don't know what these other dudes are doing when they're all <laughs> down below their butt and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that. It's kind of counterproductive. I mean, you wear tight jeans, you have it sagging. It really doesn't make right. sense to me. But I guess it is what it is. And one more: Who is the right man to lead the country for the next four years? Uh, President Obama, for sure. Okay, okay. You're not going to get an argument here from me. Definitely right. not going to get an argument <laughs> from me. Um, I agree with you. He is the right man uh, to lead us the next four years. And, Darrell, you talked about your foundation. Where can people find information about your foundation? Uh, they could go on, online, drightwayfoundation.org, or they could also follow me on Twitter, drightway1. And my Twitter for my foundation is the right way found. It's F N D and that's on Twitter as well. And they give out a lot of information. I also tweet things out. But the website is the best place to go to get the most information, you know, and and it just tells you a lot about myself and the foundation as well. So it's always good, you know, to go log on that website. And he is a man who's doing things the right way and again I'm a I'm a lifelong seventy sixers fan. I'm looking forward to this season. Haven't had this much excitement since i would say since ai left and alan wow. iverson so I, I mean i'm excited for this year you nick young bynum evan turner drew holiday all you guys i'm, I'm excited man and uh make me proud this year uh Darrell, and yes sir and, and let's get it done will do i appreciate everything thanks for having me on man no problem let's do, do it again bring the city back yes sir take care all right Darrell right forward for the Philadelphia 76ers and a guy who's doing things the right way on and off the court right now. And Again, I'm a lifelong 76ers fan. I don't run away from that. and It is what it is. And I'm excited for this team. I'm excited for the possibilities this season. I really am. I think this is a team with a lot of promise. I think this is a team with a lot of talent and a lot of ability. I'm very interested to see how this all comes together. And my big concern is Andrew Bynum and the health of Andrew Bynum. If if he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be legitimate contenders. I'm not saying they're going to get to the NBA Finals. I'm not saying they're going to win the NBA Finals. But they're going to be there. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're going to be in position. This is a talented roster. This is a talented group of guys. And, uh, and I'm excited about the possibilities. I'm really excited about the possibilities for this ball club. I really am. I think they really can be successful this year. I really think they can be successful. 
And I think Darrell Wright is going to be one of the reasons why they can be successful this year. Pleasure talking to Darrell Wright and uh, hope to have Darrell Wright back in the future. And, again, the Philadelphia 76ers getting it done so far in this offseason. Let's see. I mean, they're getting it done in the preseason as well. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens moving forward. Let's see what happens with this ball club in terms of what they may do. We're talking about the Sixers and some of the great things that the Sixers can do and some of the ability that the Sixers do have, some of the talent that the Sixers do have. And I'm big on this team. I'm rooting for this team. And and I think this team can be successful in this 2011, excuse me, in this 2012-2013 season. I'm really rooting for this team, and we'll see how it all shakes out. But the NBA is upon us. It's here. It's going to be happening. It's starting next week, and a guy who's been a fixture in the NFL for many, many years, their great commissioner, David Stern, well, he's stepping down in 2014. And David Stern, you may not agree with all his tactics. You can call him various things. But the reality is David Stern did a lot for the NBA. The NBA probably is not in the position that it's in without the great work of David Stern. I mean, David Stern did a lot of great work for the NBA. I mean, he was a guy who, as a commissioner, as a commissioner, really, really, really did a great job. I mean, he really changed the NBA, made the NBA better. And he did a great job in terms of focusing on stars, and and that was big, and that was one of the ways that the game grew. That was one of the ways that the game grew. It grew because of David Stern and, and his promotion of stars, Jordan, Magic, Bird. That helped over the years. And, and he's keeping with that same theme. I mean, the NBA is in good hands in terms of his stars. Moving forward, I mean, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Westbrook, I mean, it goes on and on. Dwight Howard, Kobe's still going at it, still a very popular player. And he's done a lot in terms of growing the game, not only in the United States, but overseas. I mean, with the Dream Team back in 1992, that was big. That was big in growing the NBA, not only domestically, but abroad. And it really, really changed. It really turned the NBA and basketball in a lot of ways to a worldwide game. It turned the NBA and basketball to a worldwide game. And you look at some of the things, I mean, we, we looked at Lynn Sanity last year, and obviously that's a big part of what David Stern did in terms of making this game global. We saw the, the buzz of Lynn, Lynn Sanity. That was big not only domestically, not only in New York City, not only the NBA, not only in this country, but abroad as well. And that's because, to me, because of some of the great things that David Stern has done. I mean, uh, that is some of the great things he's done. And you look at the NBA, you look at the draft lottery, how that whole thing was big. And that was big. And he brought that in. We talk about in terms of uh, we got to remember the NBA at one point. I mean, the NBA finals were on tape delay in the early 80s, on tape delay, on tape delay. And, And David Stern helped grow the game. He helped grow this game. In the NBA right now, they have labor peace. They have television contracts, um, which is bringing them a lot of money. They have a lot of great things right now in the NBA. The NBA is in good hands. The stars are aligned. The stars are, are, are they have the stars. 
they have labor peace. They have the television contract, which is good. A lot of great things in the NBA, and a lot of people can can say the NBA is not uh, the NBA is this, and it's not the same. I think the NBA is exciting. I really do. Does it have the problems? Sure. The of course the big market thing and all that. I mean, does it have problems? Yes. Of course it has problems. But is it in good hands? Is is it is the NBA where it needs to be? I would say so. I would say so, and I really like what the NBA is doing right now. I really do, and I think the NBA is in good hands. I really do, and um, we'll see. Adam Silver is going to come along. He's going to take a control over the league. He's going to be the commissioner come 2014, and we'll see what he does, if he does anything different. And Charles Barkley had some interesting things to say about it. I mean, he talked about how really, I mean, how much better can you do than David Stern? I mean, you could say David Stern was arguably the best commissioner ever. He was the great, the best commissioner ever in any sport. I mean, he he did a lot for the NBA. He did a lot for the NBA. He really did. He really did. And he gave the NBA stability. He really did. But he's gone in 2014, and I guess for, theoretically he can have his kind of his ceremonies and his farewell tour, if you will. And and I mean, it's I guess at every point, you know, always has to end at some point. It always has to end at some point, and nothing lasts forever. The man is seven, 70 years old, and he's done a lot for the game. Thirty years, thirty years. 30 years, 30 years, done a lot. Magic and Bird in the 80s, Jordan in the 90s. He used stars to grow the game. He used the stars and focused on the stars and highlighted the stars, and it grew the game. It grew the game, and the game has grown tremendously. The game has really grown tremendously. And the league is in good hands. The league is in really good hands right now. The league is in a good spot, good spot. And, I I mean, the NBA right now is is growing in popularity. And who knows? Maybe they will go overseas. Maybe there will be some teams overseas. I don't know how that will work logistically, and who knows. But David Stern has done a lot for the NBA. He's done a lot for the NBA. May not agree with all his tactics. May not agree with all the things he's done. But the reality is, he's done a lot for this game. And this game is healthy. The game is healthy. The game is healthy. And the NBA is healthy. And I'm excited. I'm excited about this upcoming NBA season. I really am. I really am. I'm really excited about the possibilities. First of all, my Philadelphia 76ers, I'm excited about that. But I'm excited about the Lakers and Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. I'm excited about Oklahoma City, Westbrook, Durant, and how they're going to come back from that. I'm excited about Brooklyn, Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez, Gerald Wallace, some of the names that they brought in. I'm excited about the possibilities there. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited about all the possibilities that are out there the endless possibilities that are out there. I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about it. 
And who's going to, what's going to happen out west? Lakers. Have they done enough to surpass Oklahoma City Thunder? The Spurs. When do they finally fall away? Or do they, do they continue to be a legitimate contender? The L.A. Clippers. Lamar Odom. Jamal Crawford, the return of Chauncey Billups. Of course, you have Chris Paul there. How much better do they get? Houston. I mean, I'm not saying they're a contender, but Houston in terms of bringing in Jeremy Lin. What's Jeremy Lin's game going to look like now? Now he's in Houston. How much different is this game going to be? Is he going to be better? Is he going to be worth the contract that he signed this offseason? What is he going to be? What is Jeremy Lin going to be? How well is he going to play this season? How well? Should be interesting. Should be very interesting to see Lin and Lin's sanity. Does it continue in Houston? Does the Lin sanity continue in Houston? I'm interested to see that as well. I mean, a lot of interesting things. A lot of interesting things. Andrew Bynum. Can he be a go-to guy? Can he be a go-to guy? How healthy will he be this season? How healthy will he be? Derrick Rose, does he make a return this year? Does Derrick Rose come back this year? They said he is ahead of schedule. But do the Bulls really push him to come back this year? Early, sooner, later, sooner than later, they push that. Or, or do they kind of just let him take his time? What happens there? Do the Bulls make the playoffs? I mean, they were out Derrick Rose a lot last season, but this time they're going to be without Derrick Rose for a long period of time. How much better can they be? How much better will they be? Are they still a playoff team? I mean, Derrick Rose is going to be out. Can Luau Deng, Boozer, those boys step up? Will they step up? Can they step up? We shall see. I mean, it's one thing to have Derrick Rose miss a few games here or there. It's another thing to have him gone for an extended period of time. It's a different situation. You guys can pick their games up. Guys can easily pick their games up in that particular situation. Guys can do that. Guys can pick their game up. But it's harder now when the pressure is on you and each and every other player on that team to step it up for an extended period of time. Can they do it? Will they do it? That's a question. Interesting question. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. But I will say this. If they can hold on with Derrick Rose, without Derrick Rose, they can hold on. If they can hold on, who knows what could happen in these playoffs. And, and it could be a team where it could be a situation where their team, a late sixth, seventh, eighth type seed, and then – Derrick Rose is back, and, and Derrick Rose gets his legs back, and so on and so forth. They're a team that could be a danger to a top-seeded team. They're that type of team. And you look at Chicago, I mean, I thought, I didn't think they would beat the Heat. I think the Heat would just, just had a little too much firepower for them. But I will say this. Has the, you look at Chicago, I mean, you look at that team, and last year, you thought was the year, if they were going to do it, last year would have been the year. That would have been the year with Rose and, and, and Hamilton and some of the guys they brought in. Obviously, you had Rose there, but 
last year you thought was going to be the year. I mean, this is a team that could give Miami trouble with their size, their athletic size that they have. But I look at it now, and I say to myself now that you had last year, and have you have you fallen back a little bit? Have you fallen even with Derrick Rose? Have you fallen back a little bit? Has Philadelphia surpassed you? Has Brooklyn surpassed you? Has Indiana surpassed you? I mean, have those teams surpassed you? Because you look at the Bulls, and the Bulls, obviously, obviously now is a team that's going to be much different. And I don't think it's a championship contending team. I really don't. I don't. They don't have the firepower, in my opinion. They didn't have the firepower even last year to get by Miami. The Bulls will probably will be like the '90s version of the Knicks. They'll, they'll, the 2000 version, I say, of the '90s Knicks. I mean, a team that's it's, it's talented, but a team that just doesn't have enough to get over the hump. And I don't think this team will have enough to get over the hump. They just don't have what it takes to get over the hump. They don't. They don't have what it takes to get over the hump. And I'd be surprised right now, and looking at this Bulls team, I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make the playoffs. I really wouldn't. Um, but I look at the Eastern Conference, and I'd say they may make it because I think some teams obviously have fallen back a little bit. Um, one of those is the Atlanta Hawks, who was a playoff team a year ago. I think they've fallen back a little bit. Without Joe Johnson, I think this is a team that's going to fall back a little bit. Um, <clears throat> they still have Horford, and uh, still have Horford there and Josh Smith, but I think this is a team that's going to fall back a little bit. Um, uh, obviously, you have Boston, Brooklyn. I mean, I, I'm just going to name the teams. I'm no particular order who is probably going to make the playoffs: Boston, Brooklyn, New York, Philadelphia, Indiana, Miami. And that leaves one spot, and I guess theoretically, I think it's, I guess theoretically the Bulls would be that team that could get that eighth spot. That's why I see the Bulls at this point, an eighth seed. I think they're an eighth seed. Depending on what happens with Derrick Rose, they could be more. But I think they're an eighth seed, and I do think they make the playoffs. I do think they make the playoffs. I really do. But we'll see. I really, do. I really think they make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be a contender. I think the contending days in Chicago could be gone. It could be gone. Let's see what happens with Derrick Rose, whether or not he regains his explosion. You know, when you're a small guard like that, your your strength is your legs, your speed, and his athletic ability. I mean, Derrick Rose had a lot of athletic ability. Still does, I would assume. But he has athletic ability. Does have athletic a lot of it. Can dunk on you. Can do a lot of different things. But a big part of his game is his legs. His legs. And you wonder now how much, in terms of his legs, will he regain it? I mean, the ACL and people are coming back from ACLs, obviously. But the ACL is an ACL. It's a it's a it's a big time. It's a major major injury. It's a major injury. An ACL injury is a major injury. So uh, we can't discount that. Can't discount it. And, again, a big part of his game is his legs. His legs were a big part of his game. We'll see. We'll see. 
But again, as I look at the NBA, I'm excited about the possibilities. I'm excited about what may happen. And anything can happen, but I'm excited about what can happen and what will happen. And even the talk, and obviously this is two years from now, but there's talk that ultimately LeBron James could be a replacement for Kobe Bryant in L.A. I mean, LeBron can't opt out of his contract in a couple of years. We'll wonder, if, we'll wonder if he'll do it. You'll wonder if he'll do it, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I mean, why not do it? Could be another opportunity for you. Maybe he returns to Cleveland at some point. That would be pretty cool, too. But, I mean, could you imagine LeBron in L.A. taking the mantle from Kobe, replacing Kobe, and then you have LeBron and possibly Dwight Howard for the next five years dominating. But, I mean, I look at and it's going to be great, man. I mean, I can't stop saying and saying all the niceties and all the, the great things and exciting things that's going to happen in the NBA. Because it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great, man. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. And and looking forward to the possibilities in the NBA. We'll see. We'll see. And while I'm here, let me give you, in terms of a finals prediction, let me give it to you right now before the start of the season, before no basketball has been played. And I look at the East and the West. I look at the teams. I look at the players. And I got to say, in the Eastern Conference, I got to stick with the Miami Heat. I mean, uh, anytime you could put those three guys on the court together, Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, anytime you could put the best player on the game, in the game on the court, to go along with Dwayne Wade, who's one of the better scorers in this game, to go along with Chris Bosh, who is a better, one of the better center power forwards in this game. I mean, you have to favor the Heat. You really do. And then, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, there's a man who came down from Boston, a man who can shoot to three like no other. You bring in a Ray Allen to go along with what you already have. I mean, that's a great, great move for this team, a great, great move for the Miami Heat. You have Ray Allen. You have Ray Allen to go with what you already have in Miami. I mean, the Miami Heat are a team that, with all the ability that they have, it's going to be hard for for any team to beat them in seven games. And I don't think it's going to happen this year. Not in the Eastern Conference, at least. I think Miami's going to win it out east, out in the East and get to the NBA Finals and represent the East in the NBA Finals. And I think in the West, I love what the Lakers did with Nash, Jameson, Dwight Howard, of course. I love all those things. But I think I'm still going to favor the Oklahoma City Thunder. And with Westbrook and, and Durant, to me, who... who Steve Nash, in terms of who he's going to, he's going to have a hard time defending people. And, and and again, a lot of people aren't defending people nowadays in the NBA. But Steve Nash is going to have a hard time defending whoever's on the court for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think Kendrick Perkins, he can limit. He's not going to stop the White Howard, but I think he can limit what the White Howard can do. He did it in Boston. I think he could do it in Oklahoma City 
And Kobe, how much does Kobe have left in the tank? And I'm not saying Kobe's done, but Kobe is not Kobe. He's not the Kobe that we all know and love for many, many years. He's not that guy no more. Is he dominant? Still have moments where he can be dominant, I believe so. I think we saw that in the Olympics where he had moments where he could be dominant. But I don't think he's that guy anymore. I really don't. And I I just like what Oklahoma City with Durant and Westbrook and Durant is one of the better players in this game. He just can flat out score the basketball. I still favor Oklahoma City in the Western Conference. I still think they have more than San Antonio as well. I think they'll have more than the Clippers as well. And I think we're going to see a rematch of Miami-Oklahoma City in the NBA Finals. And I think this time around, Oklahoma City is going to win it. And I think we, we may see the start of a budding rivalry a la the Lakers and the Celtics from many years back. Oklahoma City, I think, is going to get to the NBA Finals. And I think this year, Durant and Oklahoma City will hoist a trophy. Now, you can argue that maybe it's LeBron's time to, to dominate this league, a la Michael Jordan. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Kevin Durant is good. He's very good. He's superstar good. But we'll see. The second hour, go for it. Start right now. Second hour, go for it. In that first hour, we were joined by Darrell Wright of the Philadelphia 76ers. And Darrell Wright talked about some of the great things that he and the 76ers are going to do this year. And Darrell's also talked about some of the great things he has going on in the community with his foundation, org. Make sure you go there. Go to the website, org and support some of the great things Darrell Wright has going on in the community in this hour, we're going to be joined by Tennessee Titans kicker Rob Baronis. And Rob's going to talk about his Titans, who are currently on a two-game winning streak and have a home game against the Indianapolis Colts, where if they win tomorrow, they're 4-4, four and four, right back in the mix in the AFC in terms of a playoff spot. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. But we're going to be joined by Rob Baronis. And this hour, we're also going to be joined by President, CEO of BG Sports PR, Brittany Gilman, we're going to get a female perspective of what's going on in the National Football League and looking forward to that perspective. Again, it's always good to get a female perspective, and we're going to get that perspective from Brittany Gilman in this second hour. And I want to go to the NFL now, and I want to go to a, to a list that came out. Sports Illustrated surveyed a group of 180 players, and they came up with the list for who they believe is the most overrated. And who was number one on that list? Who was number one on that list? And I think we all know by now it was Tim Tebow. And to me, I don't know if Tim I don't know if Tim Tebow was overrated. I think it's more so overhyped. 
And I think it's a difference. Overrated is saying that, okay, we believe he is better than we're, – we're saying that the perception is that he's better, but he's not as good as he really is. When you say, oh, when you say overhype, my thing is all the stuff surrounding him, Tebow mania, Tebowing, um, how excited we get when he makes a play here or makes a play there, has a comeback here or a comeback there. And I'm not taking anything away from Tim Tebow. I don't think he's overrated. Overhyped? Yes. Overrated? No. Um, he is what he is. I never rated this guy. I never said he was any more than he, what he is. He's a decent quarterback. Um, he's a fringe starter in this league. I necessarily wouldn't call him a, a legitimate starter, but I can't take away that he does have a pre, uh, playoff victory. And that's more than Tony Romo has. That's more than what Tony Romo has. He has won a playoff game, Tim Tebow. Now again, I'm not, I'm not taking that away from him. But is he as good? If if he was really, let's put it this way. I'll put it to you this way. If he really was a starter in this league, don't you think he would be? For the most part, I mean, there's not a lot of great quarterbacks out here. I mean, if people believed he really was a starting quarterback in this league, don't you think he would be? I mean, let, let's let's be real. I mean, don't you think he would be a starter on his own team with Mark Sanchez, who really hasn't been playing that well? If he was what everybody thinks he is, meaning Tim Tebow, don't you think he'd be a starter? So I, I, I just look at it and I say, okay. Um, okay, I mean, he is what he is. He is what he is in talking about Tim Tebow. I'm not saying he's overrated. I don't think he's overrated. I never rate. In order to be overrated, you have to be rated. And I never rated him. You know, I don't think people. I don't think people love Tebow for his game per se because we look at his game: forty-six percent completion percentage last season. Games where he just looked absolutely dreadful, abysmal. We've seen those games out of him. I don't think we've fallen in love with Tebow's game per se as we have fallen in love with the man that he he portrays, the, the image that he portrays. And we, we fall in love with that, not, not necessarily what he has done on the field. And do I think, and, and it's funny, you look at that uh, overrated list, number one is Tebow, but guess who's number two? His quarterback, the starting quarterback for the New York Jets, Mark Sanchez. He's number two. Um, <laughs> and he's tied for second, actually, with Tony Romo. I don't think Tony Romo's overrated. I think Tony Romo Tony Romo's a very good quarterback in this league. Quarterback with who seems to have bad luck. And we we we've seen it over the years. Just seems to have bad luck and just bad things tend to happen to Tony Romo at bad times. He really does. It really does. And also fourth on the list is Michael Vick, uh a guy right now who these past two years hasn't had much success. I mean let's Let's be honest here when we're talking about Michael Vick in his last two years. Hasn't been that great in terms of turning the – it's been average in terms of turning the football over, protecting the football, in terms of just getting it done. And, and last year in Philadelphia, obviously, he had his issues. The team as a whole, though, had his issues. The team as a whole had his issues. And then even um, starting out this year, the team as a whole – has had his issues. Has he had his issue? Obviously, yes. He's been a turnover machine to this point of the season. He has. I can't say anything different. I can't say And as much as I would like to say something better, I can't. Michael Vick has been a turnover machine this year. 
He has. There's no getting around that. In terms of being overrated, I don't know about that. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Is he worth the $100 million contract that he got with the Eagles? You could argue that his play over the last two years, you would say probably no. Just arguing, just looking back over the past two years. We're looking at last year, and we're looking at the first six games of this year. And then, then let, let's I – will, I will caution, and I even have to caution myself on this. This year is not finished. Only six games in, we've got ten games left. Do I think Michael Vick has the ability – to play better football, I do. I do. I do. I really do. I've seen it in 2010. I've seen his his ability to play better football. Does it help that his offensive line's a little banged up? No, it doesn't. It def, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. The offensive line is banged up. That's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. Um, all these things. All these things. And, and I say... You know, I, I look at this situation now with the Eagles, and I look at Michael Vick, and I say, you know what, at this point, over the last two years, he hasn't earned his money, but we have a lot of football to be played, a lot of football to be played this year. And and with that being said, I think the Eagles beat the Atlanta Falcons tomorrow. I really do. Um, I think this is a game where the Eagles, coming off a bye, Andy Reid is 13, and we know the history. This is also a game where this is the Eagle team who changed defensive coordinators. We know what tends to happen when coaches get changed. Players are motivated. Players tend to be motivated. We also know that this is a big victory, big game, I should say, for the Eagles, a big game for the Eagles. They win this game, and they're 4-3, and three, and they're right back in. They lose it, and um, they're 3-4, and four, and they're still not out of it, obviously. But, I mean, this is a big game for them. This is a big game for the Eagles. And a lot of people in the Philadelphia area are saying this is the biggest game in Andy Reid's 14 years. His 14 years as a coach, and this is the biggest. This is the biggest, to a lot of, according to a lot of people. The biggest. And we'll see. We'll see. This should be an interesting uh, week, an interesting game right now. And I'm looking forward to what may happen in Philadelphia against the Atlanta Falcons. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles will win the game. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. And we're back. And we're going to be joined now by a kicker who's kicking the ball very well and a team who's playing very well. I mean, Rob Baronis and the Tennessee Titans won the last two games. They're three and four now, and they win tomorrow against the Indianapolis Colts. And guess what? They're four and four. And if you look at the standings in the NFC, in the AFC, I should say, look at those standings. Look at the standings. You got ten, you got uh, the Texans, who are five and two, six and one, I should say. You got Baltimore, who's five and two. You got New England, who's four and three. But other than that. We got a lot of three and threes and a lot of three and fours look uh, around the AFC. A lot of three and threes and a lot of three and fours. And the Titans are three and four. And if they can win tomorrow, they're four and four, and they're right there in terms of a wild card spot. So tomorrow's a big game for the Tennessee Titans. And let's bring him in now, kicker for the Tennessee Titans, Rob Baronis. Rob, how are you, sir? 
Doing good. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, glad to be on. Thanks for having me on. And Rob, Matt Hasselback has done it again. You guys went again in last-minute fashion against the Buffalo Bills on the road. Talk about that victory against the Bills. Uh, you know what? We were playing well. We were putting up points. Uh, we're still giving up some points on defense, but we were able to put up more than uh, obviously than our opponents. That's the goal out there on Sundays. Uh, you don't always play a perfect game, but I always say I can't kick it. I can't kick it perfect every time. Sometimes it's better to be lucky. Uh, but we we came together as a team. We knew we knew what we had to get done, and we got it done. Uh, we went in a good game plan, and and it came down to the wire. I mean, fourth and eight, and and Hasselback put it right in the end zone, just like we needed. We kind of put ourselves up against the wall uh, on the fourth and four. We didn't get on the previous series, but you know we came through and got the points needed and. We'll take every one of them because we needed every one of them. And talk about the play of Matt Hasselback right now. I mean, he's putting up points. The offense is putting up points. And he's really been playing well, and you guys have won two consecutive games. Talk about the play of Hasselback. You know what? Hasselback's been around this league for a long time, and there's a reason for it. He's a winner. He's a, he's a leader out there. He knows what needs to be done, and he goes out there and does it. Um, you know, the, the guys are buying into it. The guys are believing in and what we've got, we knew it from, you know, we felt it during training camp and during preseason, and, and obviously the season didn't start out the way we wanted it to. But like you said, um, there's a lot of teams at three and three, three and four, four and three. You know, we're all packed right there in a bunch. Of it's, it's this, it's we're only halfway through the season. We're already talking about we're, we're back in it for a wild card when two games ago everybody thought we were out of it. You know, there was there was nothing to play for anymore. Well, that's you and, know that's just goes to show you that that the AFC's got a it's got a tough. It's it's a it's got a lot of tough teams and everybody is playing well or getting beat and, and I mean that just shows that even though we thought we had a good team you know there's some teams that are a little bit better or some teams that were a little bit better than and it's on that Sunday I mean it depends on on what happens that Sunday who puts up the points and how they get put up and I want to talk about you guys on the road you guys were 0 and 3 on the road coming into this game against Buffalo did you guys do anything differently in terms of preparation for this Bills game? Um, I'm sure that there were a couple things done different. If I put those all out on the radio, then then we got to talk about them in meetings, and I get to be told why not to talk about them. <laughs> but uh, you know, coaching wise, you know, we we probably we did a little bit different on the coaching on the coaching, and we did a little bit more uh, player wise, uh, you know, game planning, and, and everybody bought into it, and, and we knew what we needed to get do to go up there and get the win, and, and we were able to come through and go do that. We're talking to Tennessee Titans kicker Rob Baronis and Rob. Obviously a big victory against the Bills, and one of the bright spots in that game was Chris Johnson, 195 yards, two touchdowns. How good was it to see Chris get off again? You know, anytime, anytime Chris is balling like that, it's always, you know, fun to watch. And, and 200, you know, 195, almost 200 yards is, you know, that's crazy any game against any opponent. Uh, watching him break the 83-yard touchdown was you know, that was that was me looking for my helmet saying, oh, where's my helmet? I got, I got an extra points kick. You know, <laughs> it, it's, anytime I'm scrambling to find my helmet, I know we've had a big play, and, and that's a game changer. And that's always a good thing when you're and, kicking uh, extra yeah, points. Now, the, the O-line was uh, was doing was doing well, opening up holes for him and, you know, blocking downfield. Uh, he was making a lot of, a lot of, a lot of big runs. So uh, anytime he is out there and you give him the, the ability to dance, uh you know, he's he's quick. You're going to have trouble catching him. Definitely. He's a fast, fast man. And I look at you guys, and we talked about it. You were 1-4 and four at one point. 
two victories later. Now you're at three and four, and you're right there. Big game tomorrow against the Indianapolis Colts at home. What do you guys need to do to keep that momentum going? Well, first off, we got to go out there and win. we got to go out there and play. we got to come prepared, uh, which we've been doing all week, preparing for this game. Um, we got to play as a team. You know, it's it's a, it's it's three phases of the game, you know, offense, defense, special teams. Uh, each one is important in every game that we play because, you know, we have to believe in one another and that each other, you know, we're going to get the job done when we're out there on the field. And let's talk about you now, Rob. I mean, you hold the Tennessee Titans record for most uh, game-winning field goals, and this is a subject, obviously, you know a lot about. I, I want to kind of get into your head right now. Take us through the mindset of a kicker as they prepare for a game-winning field goal. Take us through your mind. Oh, you're not going to get in my head because that's part of it. I don't let anybody play mind games with me. <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that that's that's a key factor for me. That's something that I pride myself on before I was ever in the league was, uh, you know, I kind of since I was younger trained myself that whether it's an extra point at the beginning, a long one for a game winner, you're always kicking the same ball. You're always hitting the ball the same. You know, your mental you, – you, half the time I go out there, I don't even realize how far the field goal is, regardless if it's short or long. And I'll, I'll look after the game or, or later on, you know, I'll ask, you know, just where were we so I know if, if it was coming up, you know, close to the upright. If, once we get outside 50, 53, outside of my coach's comfort zone, I uh, I want to know where it is just to know if I need to put a little extra on it. Huh? Um, but you're doing the same thing every time, you know. You've done it 100,000 times, so – whether it's at the beginning of the game or end of the game, you know, you're out there to do the same thing. You're out there to do your job. And, you, I mean, re- realistically, there's somebody waiting to take your job if you're not going to do it. So the pressure situation is kind of something I live for, something I love getting out there for. I've obviously missed field goals in my, in my past, and I'm not going to make every single one from this point forward. I just hope that it keeps going how it's going, the ones that matter, the ones that are at the end of the game, the ones that are at the end of the half to take momentum in the locker room. Uh, those just keep going through the uprights. And, and that's just, you know, staying focused and concentrating on the task at hand. And I know you, you're you not going to answer this, but the question becomes, we've we seen gonna, it around the league. We've seen it around the league. Coaches are icing the icing, kicker. aren't you? I knew it. Icing the, the coach, kicker. <laughs> they're icing the kicker. I, I, put work. On the, yeah, I put it on the coaches, man. Go do it or don't do it. I don't care. I'm going out there and make it. You ice me, I'm, I'm going to kick it through. You don't ice me, I'm going to kick it through. You're not going to, you know, I'm not gonna, you're not going to psych me out. That's that's how, I, that's how I look at it. I mean, I'm gonna psych you out. Yeah, I'm gonna, you know what? You, you call a timeout. I, I just might just go ahead and hit that ball and put it off to the right or left, just to make you think that you messed up. No, not not really. I'm always out there to make okay. the kick. Um, <laughs> if the uh, if, if it's iced or not, uh, you got you don't prepare for that. You go out there prepare for every kick. So if they call a timeout before you kick it, then you're prepared to make the next one. So it doesn't work. Um. I, I have no preference, honestly. I mean, that's, <laughs> okay. that's how I look at it. And if I did, I'm not, just like you said, I'm not going to put it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Titans kicker Rob Baronis. And, Rob, 10 for 12 in terms of field goals made this year. Uh, how are you feel? How do you feel like you're kicking the ball this year? You feel like you're kicking it well? Yeah, I'm feel, I feel like I'm kicking it real well. There, there's, uh, there, there's been some opportunities for some long ones I wish we would have taken uh, in different games just to get some of those under my belt, just – to put some points up on the boards, uh, but obviously early in the game or depending on what the situation is in the game, you're looking at field position with the possibility of a miss. And I get, I get it. That's coach's decision, and 
you know, I've got I've got good leg strength this year, and there's some games that I was hoping we go for a record, you know, a record long one. But you know, the opportunity didn't present itself, or it didn't present itself at the right time. So I'll take what I get every time. You know, my job is to go out there when coach says go kick and, and and be ready and go do my job. So I'm always on the sideline ready and strapped up, maybe trying to inch for him to put me out there because every anytime I go on field, I know it's going through. Now they don't well, always go through, but pretty much. You know, pretty much they do. If, I'm, if, if I've got the leg for it and I know that it's, you know, something that I can make, it's going to be the same kick that I kick in pregame. So, you know, the whole snap and the whole in-the-game situation doesn't doesn't really affect uh, what's going to happen that ball. It's, it's either I'm going to hit it like I'm supposed to or I'm going to miss hit it, uh, which happens occasionally. It, I mean, it happens. I'm human, so you're allowed that little bit of error. That's why nobody's 100% every year. But, uh, yeah, the, the two misses that we had in Detroit, I still – so that I hit those balls well. I watched them on film, and they took off all the lines I wanted, and they darted. They actually darted into the wind, which was crazy. Um, right. It was, uh, you know, they took off on the right line, and then once they got to their peak, they, they kind of veered left, and I was fortunate to get out of that game with just two misses because I watched two of my other kicks that darted to the right. And I, was, I was a little confused on that, but we, I think it was just a bad ball. It was even Hanson's when you watch them. They didn't come off his foot and stay straight. They came off his foot and they jumped left and right. They jumped back and forth. So you kind of short memory now. You forget about Definitely. them and move on. And, and what is the farthest you can kick it? I mean, give us a, a yard point. I mean, 60, 65. What is the farthest you think you can kick it? Well, honestly, it depends on it depends on where you're playing and when you're playing. I mean, uh, if you're outdoors, you got wind in your back, you can go back further. If it's warmer and humid, then you can go back even further. Um if you're kicking into a wind, like uh, last week up in Buffalo, the one direction we go back 64, 65. Uh, I was saying even maybe 68 because uh, there, was, there was a brisk wind and I hit a 64 and still landed back in the tunnel. So uh, if we needed it, I was ready to give it a shot. But at the same time, kicking into that wind, I, yeah, I hit a 42 that just made it, and then I backed up and hit a 52 that made it by three yards. So it depends on what that wind's doing at that time. Well, let's uh, answer this in the Let's dome, you know. Yeah, in the funny. dome. In, in, in the dome, you know, the ball flies awesome up in the Colts and, and down in Dallas. I've, I've pre-game back 65 in both those. But okay. like Minnesota Vikings pre-game, I couldn't figure out why I can. You know, 55 was pushing it, and then all of a sudden, all the fans got in there and it warmed up. Of course, it's the last pressure dome that, that's out there. So once the air warmed up, uh, we came back out just before the game, and I was back at 63 hitting it again. I'm like. That's crazy because I'd never been in that situation of a pressure dome that was cold and then it was warm, and the ball actually flew better once it warmed up. And even Kern was saying the same thing with his punts. He looked at me, he's like, "I can't get, a, I can't get more than a 50-yard punt with a four-five thing." And then <laughs> get in the game, and he's got one of these, and, and he's, he's punting the heck out of it uh, once all the fans have filled the stands. Wow! And again, looking at you now, Robin, we and you were talking. You're in the final year of your contract, obviously, and. I know at one point you didn't really want to negotiate during the season. Has any progress been made in terms of a new deal for you? Oh no, yeah, I, you know what? I'm I, I'm going to honor my deal. I'm unfortunately I'm in my last year, so unfortunately I'm in my last you know 11 regular season games. Uh, we tried to talk it out before the season, and, and you know nothing got really done. And, and they asked to go on into a couple of weeks in the season. I said okay, but I really don't want to do that. I was really I really, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be thinking about it every time I'm, I'm on the field. I'm not that it's going to get in my head, but right. I'm not going to negotiate my my contract over one kick or one game or 
or whatever, you know. So there's no reason. You, you know you know what I've done over the last seven years or you don't. That's my, just on the business standpoint, you know, that's just how it is. And I don't want to go out there thinking about, okay, this could be the contract to sign. Because that's, 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 you know, that's just, I'd rather either, it's going to get done or it's not. So right. if it's not going to get done, you knew it wasn't going to get done by the time we got started or you did. So that's just how I feel about it. I gave him, I, I think we, we tried, I, I tried to let him talk up till uh, the fourth game, and at, at the, I told my agent at the fourth game, I don't want to, I, I don't want this to be part of my season. Like, right. you know what? Just shut it all down. You know, there's, there's, we're out here. I'm out here to play football. You know, so I'm, I'm out there playing football, and I enjoy it, and I love playing for the Titans, and love living in Nashville, and hopefully everything works out, and that's what my agent's there for is to, to get that worked out, and hopefully. Uh, the Titans and, and them get it worked out after the season, but yeah, we're not we're not we're, there's no talks going on right now. And the reality is, if you continue to kick the ball the way you have this season, you're going to get paid somewhere, whether it's in Tennessee or somewhere else in this league. But ultimately, you will get paid if you continue to play the way you are. And right now, Rob, you're a guy doing big things in the community with the Baronis Fund. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, we do. Uh, we've uh, expanded our mission to now be. A, a charity that, that helps all greater kids' causes in not just Middle Tennessee, but Tennessee and Kentucky, where I'm from. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I uh, I wanted. To, I've always I've always felt that helping out kids is like the most genuine thing. You know, you you're helping somebody that, that can't help themselves or that don't have the opportunities to, to provide for themselves, and it's always paid back with a with a smile or with a thank you, and it's always sincere. Um, there's been different organizations that I've worked with over the years, different diseases and different, you know, foundations that, that help all sorts of causes. And I always give my time and, and you know, and, and try to show some of those events when, when friends or, 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 or people ask me to, to go support those. But as far as my own foundation, we like to, to, to help a lot of kids organizations. We've done a lot with uh, Make-A-Wish, Christmas for Kids, St. Jude's. Um, we've, I used to, I still have an emphasis on music education, um, but now we're we're not we're not solely focused on that. That we have still have an emphasis there. So we we donated about. I teamed up with uh, Concerts for a Cause and Chad Works, who's a good, who's a good buddy of mine. Uh, um, our manager Josh Blight, and we donated like twelve thousand dollars worth of instruments to uh, some schools up in Kentucky uh, just a couple months ago. Um, okay. We we did uh, some a couple Make a Wish with through the Bronze Fund. We did a couple Make a Wish. Uh, gifts uh over over the off season. Uh I was able to I went to Disney on ice and, and took part as uh as as we sent a, one of the make wish kids down to Disneyland. You know, he thought his gift was gonna be going to Disney on ice, but there at the show we we told him that him and his family were going to, to Disney uh Disney World the next day wow. or the next week. So it's stuff safe. like that is is you know, you know you're 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 touching the kids' lives and you know you're able to give back and it's it's to the community and you know, you're always raising money for good causes, whether it's an event you just show up to or something you sign an autograph for that's going to get auctioned off or, or just being there to do a meet and greet. And it's, you know, it's it's my time and, and, and I, it's it's easy. It's, to me, that's easy stuff, you know, taking pictures, signing autographs, uh, helping right. people raise money for these good good causes and great causes is, is that's the easy stuff. And that's the off the field stuff. It helps out the community and, 
And I don't do it for the accolades. I do it for I don't do it for the acknowledgement. I do it for just the fact that I know I'm helping you know this organization or, or this child or or you know it's something that needs to be done and, and it's easy to step up to do. Definitely, and you're doing a lot of great things in the community. Where to find fans? I should say, find information about some of the great things you're doing in the community with the Baronis Fund. Say say one more time. Where can fans find out some of the great things oh. you're doing in the community? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a website. It's robbaronis.com, www.robbiron.com, and then there's a there's a link or a tab under the Baronis Fund right there. And, and if people want to donate in, uh, we accept uh, we accept donations uh, through the mail. We, we're a component fund of the uh, Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee. They do a great job helping keep everything, all the paperwork uh, straight and all the legalities straight. And, you know, it's something that I don't have, obviously, you know, we, we stay pretty busy during the season when, when that's when a lot of our charity stuff is uh, at high demand. And, and I don't have the time to, to do all that myself. So they do a great yeah. job at keeping all that organized. And, I mean, they... They they do definitely a, they do a lot of they do a lot of fundraising here in Middle Tennessee so it's good to be working with them. Definitely, again, you're doing a lot of great things in the, on the community, doing a lot of great things on the field, and your Titans again another uh, a big game tomorrow. I mean, three in a row. If you guys can win it, you can get back to 500. How excited would you yeah, be to get a, back to 500? Yeah, to get you know what the goal is not to get to 500. The goal is to get to 500 and then look on to next week. We got that 24 hour rule so. But once we get through this one, which we're, we're planning on a win, we're bringing in a good game plan. Um, the Colts, you know, it's not the team we've we've known over the years. You know, they've got they've got a new face, they've got a new a new, you know, a bunch of new names on that team. So it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit different than what we've had in the past when we knew our opponent. But you yeah. know, we're gonna go out there prepared to play, and, and we gotta get this win, and then we'll look forward to the next. We got a little three game stretch here before the bye, and we, we obviously the goal is to get all three of them. Definitely, you can move to four and four tomorrow. And if you guys continue winning with Matthew Hasselback, I mean, Mike Munchak is going to have an interesting decision when Jake Locker gets healthy. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see yeah. moving forward. Yeah, that's that, 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 that's why he gets paid the big bucks coach. I mean, you know, Matt's doing well. Jake's a great guy. We got two. We're, we're lucky. We got two good quarterbacks. Two great quarterbacks that uh, can both lead this team. And, and the players are going to believe in whoever's out there in the blue. And right. you know, Matt's there to support Jake and Jake's there to support Matt. So it's it's a process. Uh it's unfortunate that Jake got hurt, but Matt's doing well and and you know, that's gonna be, you know, in in, in Munchak's hands and who knows what he's gonna do. Um I'm not gonna speak about it because <laughs> I I believe in both of them. Definitely. And again, Rob, where can we find information about the Baronis Fund? One more time, give us the website. Yeah, it's it's on uh, on my website at robbaronis.com, www.robbiron.is, uh, and if you look under the uh, on the, under the homepage on, on under the tab, Baronis Fund, it will, it will give you all the information about what we're doing, what we've been doing. Got articles on there, I'm sure, and uh, the donation forms and a little bit of everything. Or you follow me on Twitter if you want to catch up where I'm where I'm going to be or where I am. Uh, my handle, my Twitter handle is pretty active, at Rob Baronis. It's pretty easy as well. Okay. Definitely, Rob. A pleasure talking to you, man. And we wish you nothing but the best of luck tomorrow, nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. I appreciate it, man. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Y'all have a good one.
All right. Rob Baronis, kicker for the Tennessee Titans. The Titans again. Three and four. If they win tomorrow, they're right back at 500 at four and four. And you get to that point, 500, four and four, you're in a good position. You're in a good position, especially the way the AFC is. It's so, so wide open. And, and I said it before. Other than New England four and three, other than Baltimore five and two, and other than Houston who is six and one, everybody else is three and three or worse. Everyone else is three and three or worse. So you look at it and you say this thing is wide open. And if the Titans can continue to string some victories together, if they continue to string some victories together, they're going to be a team that possibly could get to the playoffs. They possibly could get to the playoffs if they could continue, if they could continue to play the way they've been playing. And if they can continue to string some victories together, two and three, uh, you started out at one, you were one and four at one point. You could be four and four by the end of tomorrow, and you could be right in the mix in terms of a playoff spot, in terms of of getting to the playoffs, and that's what this thing is all about. That's what this thing is all about, getting to the playoffs. And the Titans, if they can win tomorrow, have an opportunity to get themselves right back in this thing. They're, I mean, even at 3-4, and four, obviously, you don't want to fall to 3-5, and five, but at 3-4, and four, going into this game, you're right there. 4-4 four and four looks so much better, and you're right there in the mix, right there in the mix. And we'll see. We'll see. And, uh, again, the Titans playing some good football. And, again, as Rob said, Mike Munchak gets paid all the big bucks, and he's going to have an interesting decision if Matthew Hasselback and the Titans continue to win. You can't – I don't think you can go back to Jake Locker if Hasselback is continuing to play the type of ball he's playing and the Titans, more importantly, are continuing to win. You can't do it. There's a possibility you could lose your locker room if you do that, lose your veterans if you do that. You have to continue to do what you've been doing. And you have to continue to do what you've – I mean, obviously you're getting success. You're having success. You're having the success necessary for your team to continue to win. I mean, your team right now is in a great, great spot. Your team is in a great spot. Your team is three and four. And, again, if they can win tomorrow, they're four and four. And right there, right there with everybody else in the AFC. Right there with everybody else in the AFC. So it should be interesting. It should be very interesting to see how this thing plays out. But the Titans, again, a big game tomorrow. And we'll see if they can continue the momentum that they've had the previous few weeks. And, again, we go around the NFL now and, a lot of great, great things going on in the NFL. I mean, just I mean, a lot of storylines in the NFL. Storylines come out left and right in the NFL, and each and every week we have great storylines. And how about the Chicago Bears, five and one right now? The way that the, this team is playing, some big time defense. They're scoring on defense. Jay Cutler's effective, and then they got a big victory Monday night against the Detroit Lions, and they're five and one. They're five and one. This is a team at the beginning of the year that I said was going to get to the playoffs. I have faith that this team would get to the playoffs to start the season. I thought last year they they should have made the playoffs. 
they would have made the playoffs if Jay Cutler didn't get hurt. When he got hurt, that messed up everything for that ball club. It really did. It really did. But this is a team now with the Chicago Bears being a team that's 5-1. and one, And the way they're winning, they're winning, they're winning with defense. And, and they're winning with getting solid play out of Jay Cutler. Defense and solid play out of Jay Cutler. And that's what they're doing. And that's what they're doing. They're going to be a tough team to beat. And they're running the football at a good level. Running the football at a good level, not letting you run the ball. And they're getting a solid play out of Jay, uh, Jay Cutler. So you look at this team and you look at what they've done to this point. Chicago Bears are a team you're going to have to worry about. They're a team that you're going to have to contend with. I'm not – can I – I'm saying they're, they're, they're a Super Bowl contending team. With that defense, with that defense, if Jay Cutler can be Jay Cutler and be solid, the Bears are going to be a tough team to beat. I know the Falcons are 6-0, and but I'm not a true believer. They don't stop the run very well in Atlanta. That defense is really not that great in Atlanta. So I'm not a true believer. I'm not a true believer. I don't believe just yet. I don't believe just yet. I don't. It could change. It could change. But as of right now, I don't believe. I don't believe. But it all could change. It all could change, but... I think Atlanta's going to lose tomorrow to Philadelphia. I really do. I think Atlanta's going to lose to Philadelphia tomorrow. I think that's going to be a game they lose. They're going to lose that game tomorrow. And I expect the Eagles to play good football tomorrow. I really do. Especially all the things that has transpired in terms of firing your defensive coordinator, in terms of Andy Reid and and the pressure on him to – to win tomorrow and the pressure on him in general in terms of keeping his job. Michael Vick as well. The pressure is on him. The pressure is on Michael Vick. Michael Vick, you look at it, the Eagles after this season, if things don't work out for Michael Vick, with Michael Vick in terms of his play, the Eagles theoretically can move on from Michael Vick. They can move on from him at this point and without much of a cap hit, without much of a cap hit at all, without much of a cap hit. So this is a big game for Michael Vick. He, he, you could theoretically say if he, if, he has a, if he has a turnover field football game tomorrow, we may not see him again in the Eagle uniform. We may not see him again in an Eagle uniform if he has a turnover field ball game. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Very interesting. And we'll see. We'll see. Can Michael Vick get it done tomorrow and save his career in some respect? To save his career, can Michael Vick get it done? Can Michael Vick get it done? And and, and I'm not saying save his career in general, but I'm saving saving his eagle career. I'm saying saving his eagle career. 
And that should be very interesting to see. Andy Reid as well. I'm not saying Andy Reid, if he got fired by the Eagles, would get another coaching job. He's that good of a coach. But what I'm saying about Andy Reid is, in terms of being in Philadelphia, if you don't win tomorrow, it may not look good for you by season's end. It's a big game in Philadelphia tomorrow for the Eagles. People in Philadelphia, again, are calling that game the biggest game in Andy Reid's career. The biggest game in Andy Reid's career. The biggest game in Andy Reid's career. I don't want to go to that level. I really don't because there's a lot of football to be played, and we saw what the New York Giants did a year ago. We, we've seen it before. We, we've seen the script before of teams who struggle during the season, but somehow, some way, find a way to get into the tournament and somehow, some way, get to the Super Bowl. We saw it with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. We saw it with Eli Manning and the New York Giants. It's about getting to the dance. Once you get to the dance, anything can happen. You could try to, I mean, it's about getting into the dance. It's about getting into the dance. Now, once you get into that dance, it's up to you. It's up to you. But we shall see what happens. We're going to get a female perspective on some of the happenings in the National Football League. Let's bring in now the president of BG Sports PR, the one, the only, Brittany Gilman. <laughs> Brittany, how Hi. are you? I'm Thanks good. for joining that us. Was a wonderful intro. Thank you for having me. And Brittany, let's get right down to it. Sports Illustrated came out with it. The most overrated players in the NFL, they surveyed 180 NFL players, and the number one person on the list was Tim Tebow. In my mind, I look at it, I don't think Tim Tebow is overrated. I just think he's overhyped. What do you think? Do you agree with the players? Is he overrated? Well, I think in, in any rankings, the one thing that people, I think, need to understand is that that's someone's opinion. So especially when it's coming from the players, players are always going to express their opinions depending on their experiences and their outlook and whatnot. So is Tim Tebow overrated? I'm going to say no, but I am going to agree on you and that he is overhyped. But that's not necessarily something he asked for. That's something that the media has created around him. So, you know, another thing is, how, many, how much opportunity has he really been given to play this season? You know, he has Sanchez, He's, who has been playing much more than him, and Tebow really has not capitalized on the opportunities that he has been given this year. But, again, I think it also depends on who you're playing because depending on who you're playing, is gonna, he's either going to shine or he's not going to shine. So, And I look at yeah. Tebow, and, and the thing with him and. In the NFL, you know, there are not a lot of quality quarterbacks in the NFL. There are not a lot of quality quarterbacks. And I look at it and I say, you know what, if he really is a starter in this league, he would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, Makes sense. I, I agree. Uh, right. And and you look at his situation in New York and look at Mark Sanchez right now. The, Sanchez hasn't really played that well. The Jets really haven't haven't played that well. Sanchez played well, played decent last week against the Patriots, but in all in all, he hasn't played great football. In your mind, should Tebow get the shot in New York? Should he be the starter? I think, again, it comes down to who they're playing. I mean, if Tebow obviously is not the best passer, so, I mean, what what is the defense like that you're playing? This weekend they play the Dolphins, so no, I don't think that he should start this weekend, but 
you know, I think that it, it just kind of depends on who they're playing. They're completely different quarterbacks. They have different styles. So is one going to be better than the other? Well, I, I think, again, it's situational. Okay. And, and the way I look at it is the whole thing, I mean, yes, Sanchez hasn't played well, but to me he gives them the best chance to win. I really think he gives them a better chance than Tebow to win the game. And I think, I mean, you look at the Jets quarterbacks as a whole, it's not a strong suit to that ball club. I'm not a fan of Mark Sanchez. I don't believe, and I don't know if I ever will believe. <laughs> I don't know. That, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I think that Sanchez has had several years to kind of prove himself, and, you know, he's done a decent job, but, but you know, I, it is what it is. Right. I, I, I'm a, I don't like to, you know, there's so many different factors that can come into whether someone is successful in the NFL. Right. And at the end of the day, the only people that can really understand those factors are the player themselves and their teammates and coaches. So from an outsider's perspective looking in, I try not to really <laughs> judge anyone or anything because we don't know the whole story. We never know the Fair. whole story, you know. Fair point. And I will say this. <laughs> I mean, his best offensive player, Santonio Holmes, is gone. I mean, and Dustin Keller was gone for an extended period of time. So in his defense, has he had the weapons this year to be successful? I would say no. But yeah. just judging by what we've seen the past few years, doesn't look good. But anything is possible. And speaking of the Jets and speaking of Sanchez, I want to get a female's perspective here. According to reports, Eva Longoria reportedly broke up with Mark Sanchez before the Patriots came. First of all, that's just evil. That's mean. That's just not right. That's just wrong on all levels. She could have waited after the game, right? She she could have waited after the game. But, again, you don't know what's going on between them. True. We only know what we hear. So it it may – you never know what may have happened. I mean, he may have said mean things to her. I mean, from, from what I hear, they're fine and they're friends. But, of course, that's what they're always going to tell the press because they don't want right. the press in their business. And that's, they should have their privacy. So, I mean, I think that – you know, yeah, that's that's kind of like breaking up with someone on Valentine's Day. Like, how are you going to break up with someone right, right before the game when he's got to go out there and try and play? And obviously it's going to be on his mind. So, you know, but at the same time, we don't know exactly what happened. And, and so that's that's something that I can't say too much about. I mean, I always think when I hear about players dating celebrities, I think back to Reggie Bush and Kim Kardashian now in that mm-hmm. situation – I really think that Kim had a very negative effect on Reggie's career. And okay. I don't know exactly why, but I I worked at USC and I, when Reggie was there, and also Mark. And, um, you know, they've always been really, really great guys. And it's just one of those things that with Kim, Kim is different than Eva anyway. Like she's, I feel like Eva is much more a businesswoman. She's older. She's, you know, whatever. And Kim, I think that she's more Hollywood, flashy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what is Kim isn't really doing business stuff. It's her mom that does her business stuff. So the mentalities of these women are completely different. So right. that's one thing that I always think, okay, well, did did that have an effect on Mark and his playing and how did that make him feel? And, yeah, I think it was negative. But overall, the relationship, I don't think this relationship is, is detrimental as Kim and Reggie's relationship. And you look at it, I mean, he did have a pretty good game against the Patriots, and 
That's a game yeah. they probably should have won, so maybe it was a good thing. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, We're talking maybe to, we should get in fight more. <laughs> We're talking to the president of BG Sports PR, Brittany Gilman. And, Brittany, you rep a lot of players, including Chad Johnson. We all know what happened this summer with his domestic situation. Ultimately, he was released by the Dolphins. I don't think he gets a chance this year, but ultimately I do think he gets another chance. But in your mind, does Chad get another chance in the NFL? Yeah. Chad, Chad is an incredible player. And, you know, people, same thing. We No one really knows exactly what happened except Chad and Eve. They were the only two people in that car. So take everything with a grain of salt. Now, he did make right. a mistake, and he's not playing, and he's obviously paying for that. Yes, he does get another opportunity in the NFL. He's too great of a player to not get an opportunity in the NFL. He brings a lot of value to a team in terms of skill. He brings a lot of value in terms of personality. And people love him or they hate him, but they still want to see him. So right. that right there is there aren't that many players, if any other players in the NFL, that are like Chad. Chad's a great person. He's an amazing guy. He has an incredible work ethic, and he truly loves football. And not every player these days in the NFL actually loves football. They, they've been jaded, sure. the experiences, the politics. Chad still has that love for football. So anyone who actually gives him an opportunity to play is going to be very happy that they did. And, and I heard him on the inside, uh, inside the NFL a few weeks back, and he talked about how he may have lost focus. Did you see that at all? Um, I think that this was the first time that he was ever – well, I don't know about the first time, but this was – he was – really truly in love and so I think anytime that you're in love with someone and and she also again is somewhat of a celebrity so the things that come with that is a lot of showcasing and that can be very distracting and when she has her show and he's on her show and whatever else you have going on yes all that can be very distracting but that's just life so no matter Mm -hmm. what choices you make any relationship you're going to be in is going to have is going to take a lot of your attention so I, I wouldn't say he wasn't focused, but, you know, I, I could definitely – he was in love, you know. That's right. that's pretty much all I could say. And and love will make you do some, some different, sometimes funny, sometimes crazy things. Just, I yeah. guess it comes with the territory. And I've always wanted to know this. I mean, you're owner, CEO, president of BG Sports PR. You rep a lot of players. What happens mm-hmm. when players – when you when on your roster you have players obviously on different teams, what happens when those teams collide? Who do you root for? Do you root for the player? Do you root for the team? Let's just say it's a situation where one of the teams needs the victory to get to the playoffs. I mean, who, who do you root for? You know, it's really really difficult when I get in those situations because I I don't want to take sides. So usually I root for the player. So I just want them to have a good game. I want them to, you know, not get injured and to have fun, and that's that's pretty much what I do. I'll wear neutral colors. I okay. I rarely, rarely, rarely wear any team memorabilia unless it is, you know, I have one guy playing on one of the teams or whatnot because it, it's hard. Like, I can't – I don't take sides. I don't have favors. I just go for the, the – you know, I go for our clients. Okay. And, and you've been doing this for a long time, and this is – a field, you know, obviously sports is, is a male-dominated field. Uh, how is it as a female navigating through all that? It's it's very challenging at times, but, you know, at the end of the day, business is business, so it really doesn't matter if you're a man or you're a woman. You just have to look through all those superficial ideals and 
thoughts and whatnot. So it's it's very challenging, but again, I think that I've been doing it for so long that I'm very used to it by now. And I started the first time I, I did work as a woman in male-dominated sport was when I was at USC as a strength coach intern for the football team. So that right there I look at was kind of my initiation into this world where okay. there's two women in the weight room, you're surrounded by all men, and you're in the weight room. That's like the epitome of testosterone. So that right. really taught me how to how to handle myself, how to work with men, different personalities. And I think it's actually very beneficial because guys are working with guys every single day. So to have a woman that you work with is not only going to bring different perspectives and different approaches, but also creativity and support, and we have that nurturing about us. So I think it's refreshing for our clients to to be working with a woman. Um, and I also think that just business in general, women are incredible when given right. the opportunities. Women are women are incredible, definitely, and, and <laughs> I, definitely. I mean, and all you need in life is opportunities, and you're taking advantage of the opportunity that you've got. And you also was a fitness model as well. Uh, tell <laughs> yeah. us a little bit about that. That was, um, I mean, I, I was a strength coach for years, and then I was a trainer, so it was just kind of natural. And when I stopped, I was um, I competed professionally snowboarding, so. When I stopped doing that, I just kind of needed something to work towards in terms of my fitness goals, and so I just decided doing modeling, and I love attention, so it was perfect. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the best of all worlds. I mean, you have it. I mean, the best of both worlds, the attention, and you got it. I mean, it's, 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 I mean that's, you know, I got a wife here at home, and I noticed that they, women do love attention. They do love attention, uh-huh. and uh <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, I guess. It's just the nature of the beast. But I think men love attention, too. I mean, let's be real here. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. We all like attention. But some people yeah. like it a little more. This is true. This is very true. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about some of the great things you have going on at BG Sports PR. Um, well, one of the most exciting things that we're doing is actually the launch of Chad's watch line, uh, C.085 okay. timepieces. And that's something that Chad has always been huge into fashion, and, and watches is also one of his favorite accessories. So it was funny how we kind of came to him actually launching his own company, but it was actually the best opportunity and the best, it was much better than what we originally had wanted to do with partner up with the company. So... Um, it was also really cool how the watches, how we designed the watches. Um, you know, I I took a bunch of ideas from Chad, from myself, from some other people, and kind of put together the watch. So it's really kind of a combination of multiple people's opinions and insight. So it's really exciting. It's it's a completely new world to to work with manufacturing and things like that. But it's it's great. We're um, the watches are supposed to be here um, late late this year early January, so um, that's really exciting. And then we have Roman Harper, his foundation. He is doing, again this year, Harper's Hope for the Holidays, where teams up with United Way and different team members, or excuse me, teammates, and they basically rebuild homes that have been ruined by Katrina. So it's a really cool program to where they choose families whose homes are ruined and the players actually give the money to to help rebuild these homes. And it, it's an incredible, incredible thing, and it, it really 
it changes the players' lives and perspectives, and it changes these families' lives as well. So that's all very, very exciting. Um, and then we have several other events that we're doing for the holidays. Up in Pittsburgh with Stevenson Sylvester, we're doing Shop with Sly, and he's okay. taking some kids shopping for the holidays. And, um, yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. As, uh, you're a busy woman, obviously. you got a lot of players, and they have a lot of things going on. And talk about the life of a publicist. I mean, is it a 24-hour-a-day type of job? Oh, my gosh, yes. It's insane. And I'm not just a publicist, too. You know, when I started the business, it was marketing, and then it was PR. Okay. But now we do community relations, digital branding, uh, business development. So we do pretty much every service that an athlete may need in terms of business, and we also do concierge for some of our guys um, who need things here and there. So it is, it's a 24-7 business. It never stops, you know, and we have guys in London right now who are wanting, wow. you know, just advice where to go shopping, and so it's kind of a one-stop shop. Agency, we, we don't negotiate the team contracts, obviously, so we actually right. work with a lot of agents, but um, it's crazy. I don't – I my my life is my work, Um some can think that's a good thing. Others can think that's a bad thing. It's it's hard to take time off, you know, because if I take time off, the, the company doesn't really move forward, so that's a challenge. Right. But it's pretty much, I mean, I, I have an incredible life. I, I work with some of the best players in the NFL. I work with amazing people. I have a great staff. It's a lot of work, but it's all fun, so it doesn't feel like work. So relationships really have to be a hard thing for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're they don't, they're very difficult. They don't really right. exist. I'm married to I, my work right now, which hopefully one day will change. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You have to eat. You have to survive, and you love what you're doing, and that's a great thing. Where can we find information yeah. about some of the great things going on at BG Sports PR? Mm-hmm. Um, our website is www.bgsportspr.com. Twitter is uh, Twitter and Facebook are also probably the best ways to keep up on news. Uh, my Twitter is at BG Sport, so singular, not sports. It's at BG Sport. And then um, our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash BG Sports PR. So pretty much all those things you can tune in and get a really good idea of what's going on with us and every single one of our clients. Brittany, it was a pleasure talking to you. We wish you and BG Sports nothing but the best of luck. And, and let's do it again. Yes, most definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Brittany Gilman, BG Sports PR. Pleasure talking to her. A lot of great insight from Brittany. And, uh, again, you know, a publicist job is a 24-hour-a-day type of situation, 24-7. It don't end. It don't stop. can't end. It can't stop. You have to do what you have to do to be successful and uh She's doing that and repping a lot of professional athletes, successful professional athletes, and through her help, through her help, um, you look at BG Sports and you look at some of the athletes and they're they're growing and they're being successful, and a lot of great things are happening with BG Sports and Brittany Gilman and some of her players. Great talking to her. Great to get a female's perspective. Always great to get a female perspective. Always great, great, great thing to get a female perspective. I want to thank uh, Darrell Wright of the Philadelphia 76ers for stopping by. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at DWrightWay1, and also make sure you go to his website for his foundation, DWrightWayFoundation.org. Also, we want to thank Rob Baronis 
for stopping by from the Titans. Again, follow him on Twitter at Rob Baronis. And also, go to his website, robbaronis.com. And also, lastly, we want to thank Brittany Gilman, BG Sports. Make sure you go and follow her on Twitter at BG Sport and look at some of the great things she has going on. And also, go to our website, BG Sports. Dot com. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGan. For everybody here, at GoFort. Especially on the East Coast, be careful. Got some hurricanes coming up. Uh, pray for the best, and hopefully everything works out. Have a great week. <laughs>